second part of this little mini-sermon series, you got to come back for the 9 o'clock service next week, so I'll see you all there. Uh, I'll direct you to page 10 of your bulletin um, for those verses from Luke chapter 3. We begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's only, from today, there's, there's only 19 days left to prepare for Christmas. Are you ready? If you're anything like me, you're not. There was a, an online blog I saw this week called The Ultimate Christmas Countdown Checklist. And the, che- the, the, the checklist started six months before Christmas began. And between the time six months before Christmas began and now, about three weeks before Christmas, the checklist had 20 items. Counted them up. It's quite a bit. It said that between those, that time, you should have already sat down with your family and decided where you're going to have Christmas probably done that already. But then it said you should have cooked any types of food that you could freeze. And it said you should get all your Christmas shopping done. And you should, and you should wrap all of your presents. And you should have the Christmas menu finalized, all already by now. The blog was pretty ambitious, at least I thought so. But the writer's point was clear. Christmas takes a lot of preparation. Are you prepared? When Christmas does come around, you will, you'll either be prepared or you won't be. And the good thing about Christmas is it tends to come around again December 25th next year. And so if you're not as prepared as you'd like to be, you get a chance to prepare better next time, right? When Christ comes back, you'll either be prepared or you won't be. It's just those two options. But you only get one chance. You only have one chance to prepare your heart for Christ's return. And this is a great time of the year to think about this. Because with all of the hectic preparation and the frantic gift-getting, it's a great time to take some time out of the Christmas season and think about this Advent season. And think about what it means to prepare your heart. To have a heart prepared for Christ's return. John the Baptist came into this world to do one thing. He came to this world to prepare hearts for Christ. And he had to come because uh, these, these men, these Old Testament prophets like Malachi and Isaiah, they said, yes, yeah, someone is going to come and prepare the way for the Messiah, for the Savior, for the Anointed One. And that man is John. So John came into the world to do just that, prepare hearts. But God made sure John had a way to do that. He said, John, you're going to prepare hearts for Christ's return, and you're going to use water. And you're going to use a voice. An unprepared heart, a heart that's not ready for Christ, it's, it's a desolate, deserted, unlivable place. And I can prove that to you. Because Isaiah writes about it. In these verses, in verses 4 to 6, Luke is quoting Isaiah. And Isaiah talks about an unprepared heart like it is a landscape. So look at verse 5. You have, we have three things, three different features that this landscape has. This unprepared heart has big valleys. Think of the Mariana Trench. You guys know what that is? The deepest place on the, in the crust of this earth. It's underwater. It's an underwater valley that reaches seven miles into the ocean. 
No one can live down there. It's unbearable. It's unlivable. It's uninhabitable. And that's what an unprepared heart is like. And then Isaiah says, oh, oh and also, an unprepared heart has a mountain. It has a mountain the size of Mount Everest, that if you could travel to the top of it, you couldn't breathe without oxygen because it, the, the air is so thin up there. It's uninhabitable. And then Isaiah says, and also, an unprepared heart is full of these roads. It's full of these rocky roads that go all over the place. And if you're a traveler on those roads, and if you can dodge every boulder and not break an ankle on every root, you're going to get to the end of the road and it's a dead end. It doesn't go anywhere. That's what an unprepared heart is like. An unprepared heart is uninhabitable. And our hearts are only good for one inhabitant, right? Jesus Christ. And so with an unprepared heart, our hearts are so rocky and so hard that Christ can't even live there. And the landscape is so desolate and so dead that we do not have the power to change it. We are not powerful enough to make our heart a place where God can live, where Jesus can dwell. So something very powerful is needed. Something so powerful is needed to change this landscape. And really, there's, there's only one thing that is powerful enough that constantly and continually changes landscapes, right? Water. You know that, that water can carve grand canyons. And water can flow down a mountain and sweep away the mountain over years and years and years and deposit it at the base of the river. And water can mix with the storm and it flattens buildings and it sweeps roads away. Water is powerful. So God chose to give John water so that John could prepare hearts. Look at verse 3 of the text. John says, or Luke says, John went into the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John baptized. John picked up water and he put it on the heads of people who had uninhabitable hearts. And John took people and he, he immersed them in water. And this powerful, powerful water changed them. This powerful, powerful water showed them that they had repentance. It worked actual feelings of being sorry for their sins in their hearts. And this powerful, powerful water gave them the forgiveness of sins so that they were forgiven for any unpreparedness that they had in the past. Water powerful. Water in baptism is so very powerful. So now, when you look at your heart, and you think about how since an unprepared heart is so desolate and so dead that, that no one can live there, you need to know that at one time you were unprepared. At one time your heart was so full of mountains and valleys and and wayward paths that, that you couldn't fix it. Then God gave you baptism. God gave you powerful, powerful water. And he worked a change in your heart that flattened the mountains and, and that filled the valleys and that straightened the paths. God prepared your heart so that it was ready for Christ in baptism. And that's a great work that God did for you. God's not done working. 
because God gave John a voice. And John's voice came to a world that desperately needed it. Look at verse 1 of the text. You see a lot of voices there, a lot of different people. Uh, first, we have Tiberius Caesar. He was the, the big main head honcho, the, the big political voice of the day. And then Pontius Pilate, a governor. And then we have smaller rulers, Herod, Philip, and Licinius. Five different rulers, five different voices, each preaching to their own tune, each vying to their own vote. The world was full of voices. And then you read verse, verse 2, and you see Annas and Caiaphas, a couple more voices. And who were they? they? They were high priests. Two more voices, preaching to their own tune and vying for their own vote. And there shouldn't have been two. There should have only been one. According to the Old Testament law, only one high priest was supposed to rule the priesthood at a time, and for his whole life. So something, some type of corruption was going on there. But then, look at, look at, uh, excuse me. But then look, look at verse two. Because then the word of God came to John. The word of God came to John. Jesus, God sent his voice into the mix. He sent his voice to this world that was already full of voices. And he didn't send his voice, John, to go to the government and to to fix the government. And he didn't send his voice to the religious world to clean up that act. God sent his voice to the desert. He sent his voice, his messenger, John, to a parched, desolate, dead, lonely place where there was nothing. And there, God would use a powerful voice to bring sustenance, to bring life. Messengers have constantly come into this world from God. These messengers all had voices. And they've come with one purpose, to go to desolate, thirsty, parched Christians and to give them sustenance. We read about Malachi an Old Testament prophet in the first reading today. Malachi was God's messenger, God's voice. And he went to suffering Old Testament believers and he told them, your your offerings, they're going to be acceptable in God's sight because your heart is prepared. And then we read about the Apostle Paul, another one of God's messengers, God's voice. He went to these people called the Corinthians. And the Corinthians didn't typically accept messengers. They didn't receive them very well. But God said, you know what? Paul said, you know what? It doesn't matter so much about how faithful the messenger is, because they're going to try their hardest. But it's the message. The faithful message. And that's how your heart will be prepared. And now, what do we have? We have voices and messengers here at Sure Foundation. You've had a few pastors over the years, and you've sat in these seats and listened to their voices as they've preached to you. You've sat in their offices or gone to, or they've come to your homes and, and you've poured out your voice to them and they've responded as, as they prepared your heart with one message. One message that rings true for all of these messengers. For prophets, for apostles, for pastors today. They all have the words of one messenger on their lips. Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the one messenger who came into this world who gives power to everyone. Because his voice has power. Because when he walked through this world, when he walked through this life, 
He never strayed on a rocky path or one that was wandering. And when Jesus walked through this life, he was never buried underneath a mountain of sin. And he never fell into a valley of despair. Never once. Until one day. One day he did all those things. One day, his last day, he took your mountain of sin and he put it on his shoulders. And he saw you in your valley of despair and he switched places with you. And he saw every single wayward path that any of us have ever walked on and he walked every inch of it. And he found a way out. Because he died. Because he died and three days later he rose again. And with that resurrection, with with that event, with that declaration, and with his voice on that day, he declared that your mountain of sin was flattened. And he declared that your valley of despair was just filled in with his love. And he made sure, he declared that every single one of our wayward paths were made straight. And it was like we had never walked any other path. With that declaration, when Jesus rose from the dead, he made sure that you would see salvation. Because his voice is powerful. In the last few minutes, you probably didn't get any more prepared for the events surrounding December 25th. But for the real significance of that day, for being able to look back uh, as Jesus came into this world, and to be able to look forward to our, our Jesus coming again, you found out that you are so much more prepared than you could ever hope to be. Because your God has prepared your heart. He's made it a place where Jesus can dwell. With powerful, powerful water in baptism. And with a powerful, powerful voice. Amen. Please stand.